Abstract Athlete Podcast, where art and sports collide. Welcome, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Appreciate all the support we receive from our listeners and sponsors. Any questions or comments, please send it to info at theabstractathlete.com. Also remember to listen to the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors Podcast, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and follow us on all of our social media outlets for updates and news. Really excited about the podcast today as I get to speak with artist, entrepreneur, and U.S. Navy veteran Brent Fagg. You can check out some of Brent's art on Reddit under the name Next to the cookies and also follow him on Facebook. Let's welcome Brent Fagg. Hey, how's it going? Long time no see. <laughs> it has been thanks to COVID. I think, did we, I, I'm recording by the way, I'll just jump right in. Did we like, did we meet right before COVID? Because we met right at that event we did right before COVID, correct? Yeah, I think it was within a month or so. Yeah, everything's been down. And then did we, we, I guess we saw each other at Cuba. We got together at Cuba or something. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's Cuba and then, um, oh, the event over at the uh, Siegel Center. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, dude, thanks for doing this. Um, it was actually fun researching you a little bit <laughs> and find oh, I'm it, sorry. <laughs> uh, and find it. Oh, I'm saying no, 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 it's good. It was fun. Um, I, I like, I, I definitely want to get into some of, um, obviously you're, you're, you're a veteran and I want to definitely talk about what you did in the Navy, but I also want to talk about the fact that you, you said you started painting three years ago, two, three years ago. And, and talk about that, but I also want to talk about some of the stuff that you're doing with VR, with virtual reality, because I think that that's obviously like an extension of creativity and some of the stuff I think you're doing and, and I think projecting forward is going to be like really, really cool. Um, at least it seems like, and I'm, and, and like some of those things I wonder, do you, do they overlap for you? Some of that creative moments in the VR space and to where your paintings are going and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, they actually do uh, in, in a number of ways. Um, some more literal than others. Uh, so I guess one of the more literal examples would be uh, VCU has a uh, VR therapy center for uh, youth. Um, and it's focused on um, uh, violence prevention uh, and trauma, trauma recovery. And so they use VR to... Um, you know, help the kids cope with it, help them understand how to deal with stress, how to avoid situations. Uh, it's a fairly large space. It's four kids. Um, and so the, the guy who runs it saw some of my paintings and asked me to come in and actually paint the facility. So I painted um, about halfway through. So I've got, um, you know, several of the walls painted. And I've got two more left to go. Uh, one of them is a very large uh, video game themed section. And the other is more of the traditional 
uh, some like some of my other artwork where it's you know live action models and stuff. Right now, and and so you're doing that. You also there's also you're working with VR in in a Parkinson's um, space as well, correct? In terms of, and I'm curious, like, so you literally painted this space for the kids, but also do you do you do some of the like the virtual? Cause I have a student in one of my classes right now that's working with virtual spray paint and stuff and mm-hmm. like doing different things like that. And like, he's printing stuff off. It's pretty, it's kind of wild. And I think like, you know, like the unfortunate part is art supplies can get expensive. <laughs> Not that virtual yeah. stuff isn't, but like if that's at a, at a facility or something for kids to be able to use those, you know, uh, tools, um, is that something that you're enacting in those spaces? It, it's not. Uh, and so I don't actually build any VR content. Um, for a lot of that, what it is, is I work with the researchers who are developing it to help them get it adopted, um, get feedback and get, um, get it used in the world. So a lot of that really deals more with my day job where, you know, at VCU and that that's, um, people have really good ideas. Those good ideas are valuable to people. How do I help get those out there. Um, how do I, so the Parkinson's one, we're looking with other companies to say, hey, this is this really cool tool. Tool. How do we make it available to other people who are treating Parkinson's patients? Um, and so for a lot of the VR stuff, it really much it is much more on the business aspect side of it versus the, um, I've taught myself some coding, but I'm not great at it. <laughs> well, well, that goes back further into like my original question. So you uh, were in the Navy, Mm-hmm. And you you worked in n- nuclear engineering, is that correct? Yeah, nuclear engineering. And like that's just wild to me. First of all, like whoa. Um, I mean, how? First of all, how you were in in the Navy for six years? Yep, six years. Um, yeah. And I mean, like, what was that experience like? Like, because you know, like all these things are are interesting to me because, like, again. I, we work with some veterans that actually were artists during their time. We work with some that became artists after their time. Um, I'm always curious because one of the things that I think the abstract athlete is trying to do is try to having people be proactive in their creative approaches. And I think you would agree with that now, like now that you've kind of found painting, like, do you think that would have benefited you back when you were in the Navy, like, you know, like as a, as a tool, for instance, um, to, I don't know, like, not that everybody has stress, everybody else stress, I guess, but you know, like in in terms of like, just in terms of performance, in terms of other things like that, like, do you ever like think about those things? But I'm also just interested in what it was like in your, you know, your time, your, you know, time in the Navy, with studying nuclear engineering. Cause that's like, to me, that's just like, Whoa, that's way above my pay grade. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I guess let's start with the, the nuclear engineering aspect. Um, I love the school. Like I, I love learning. Um, and I think that's part of why I enjoy art so much is, you know, there's just so many different things you can learn and it's a different type of learning, but it's the same thing. You're expanding on what you, what you already know. You're exploring new areas. Um, and the nuclear power school was amazing, fun, enjoyed it. Um, actually, being a nuclear engineer in the Navy is kind of boring. Because uh, at the end of the day, 
You, you turn it you're on. You're not supposed to say that. It sounds so out there. It's like it was actually it was so stimulating. Well, no, but if you think about it, you want it to be boring because it's right. a nuclear reactor. Right. You don't want it to, when it's exciting. It's because something's not going the way it should be going. Right. Right. Uh, uh, and so, like, the goal is to keep everything nice and boring, and just you know, watching the stuff go. Um, and, you know, that's a lot of your day. So um, they keep the reactor in the bottom of the ships. Uh, which means you don't see sunlight ever because uh, there's not windows on an aircraft carrier or something like that uh, to look out. Um, but no, I mean, it's, it's, you know, you meet a lot of people and there's a lot of backgrounds and a lot of experiences that were quite interesting. So it, it was, uh, it was a valuable experience. Uh, and the biggest thing is I came from a very poor town. And so you worked for a factory or you got a football scholarship. That were your two, your two life options. And so, you know, I think a lot of kids, you know, same boat where, Navy recruiter, military recruiter comes along and says, we'll pay for your college. Yeah. And that, that's a great way to, you know, get out and um, get college paid for without incurring an insane amount of debt. Yeah. And where, yeah. you, you were stationed on the East Coast, right? Not out in San Diego? No. So Norfolk was most of my time. Uh, I spent uh, about a year, a little over a year in Orlando, Florida, uh, a little time in Charleston, but that's just the schooling. Right. Now, I mean, but it's, it, again, I think that, now that you're like getting into this creative space, is it is it something that you've thought about? Like, God, I wish I would have started this earlier. I mean, you know, I, that, that's a weird question in some ways, but I think a lot of people say that to me when they kind of realize the benefits of creativity, like in terms of like mental health, in terms of anxiety and stress, you know, the world's stressful. It just, it, but also it's just fun. Like it's, it's nice to just like get away and just kind of disappear into art. Is it something that you've, you've thought about? Yeah. And I've actually thought it a number of times. I, I wish I had, had done it sooner because um, it's something, you know, resource wise, I would have had all of it, even, you know, as a kid, you know, middle school, high school, it would have been awesome. Uh, you know, it doesn't take any advanced resources. Everything was around back then. Um, it's something, you know, you, you could have done and expressed yourself and had a lot of fun doing it. So, um, you know, I certainly had other artistic endeavors back then, you know, usually drawing, uh, engineering design, product design, that sort of stuff. Um, but those, you know, a lot of it's, you do it for yourself and you appreciate it, but it's not something that you get to share with others that people uh, have an appreciation for. Right. No, and it's, I, I think for me, like when we met, it was kind of, like right at the beginning for you, I think, um, of like starting this journey and you could see for lack of a better way to say, it, you could see that you were like really excited. I think you said that thing that you're interested in learning and you could mm -hmm. like see kind of that bubbling up of like anticipation of this journey that you were going to be on, I think. Um, and I don't know, maybe I'm speaking out of place, but it, that's the way it felt to me when we were chatting and it, and it, and to me, like, I, I'm always, you know, you say you love learning. I, I love learning. I, I love, I love those phrases like stay curious and evolving and stuff like that. But it's also for me, you know, maybe it's my teacher mode. I always like to see when that light bulb goes off. And, and to me, it was like, it felt like that was at the beginning of your light bulb, you know, and, and that kind of getting into that, into that space where it was going to become part of your life, like in, in a, in a real way. Um, and like, so tell me like, what, like, what has that journey for you been like? Um, you know, like, 
I, I, you know, looking at some of your work online and stuff, you know, um, I think there was, there was something with Mario brothers, like you do mm -hmm. like, and, and like, so I, I guess in some ways, like what's, what is your, uh, where do your interests come from? Like, what do you like, where, where's like this, the, the, the ideas come from? Is it like video gaming? Like, that's why I like, I guess in some way, that's what I was kind of going into the, the virtual reality and like thinking of like, you know, like virtual worlds and how, how we as humans see these spaces, but like interact with them. And in some ways, I guess I was maybe putting that on what I was looking at in your paintings is like, you're painting these spaces that the virtual reality worlds kind of simulate. Is that true? Yeah. Well, for that one, it was very specific that way. Um, I ha I don't do a ton of video game stuff, uh, but you know, th this is a space it's intended to make kids feel comfortable. Uh, they are using video games to help as part of the therapy. And so, you know, it's, I lean really heavy into those kind of the iconic uh, things that people are going to feel comfortable with the, the um, excitement with. Uh, and while also, and this is tricky with video games, leading away from things that are overtly violent right. so you know no guns no right, right right no yeah so just baby yoda and, and uh princess peach so the things that are kind of more cool and engaging that the kids are going to recognize but not yeah not now and there's one there was also one that i like this really beautiful piece that you did and i'm trying to find it now that was it was it said something about rust and it was like a found rusty um i don't know if it was just like a rusty sheet and you're like, like your work is very illustrative in a lot of ways, which I love. It, it has, um, you know, I'm looking at the one, uh, like a couple of these yoga pose ones or the, there's one that in this, it looks like a hunter gatherer, um, a, a girl with a stick <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. No, but there was one. And so I, I really like, I really enjoy your work in terms of it's, it's very um, dynamic in terms of when we look you know, like it grabs you immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, and like this one with this, I might've been, do you have two kids? You have two, two kids. Yeah, yeah, two kids. This one, yeah, this yeah. one that I, is your daughter wearing the Superman shirt. And they're just like, they're like, they're really dynamite images. Um, and so I'm trying to find this one shoot. They think you did, <coughs> excuse me, did something on a, on a found piece of metal or something like uh, that. The stop sign. Is so it, is it the back of it's a rusted metal plate used as a canvas i think and well, that, I, I have a grim reaper for that one yeah that's well. what it, that's it, it yeah. is a grim reaper yeah. <laughs> no i just i mean so like what like describe your style like in some ways maybe that's what i was kind of getting at like you know again like just kind of scrolling through different i i think you're you know you're obviously i think your 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 kids are important in your art making um but also, I mean, it's just interesting because a lot of, a lot of veterans that, you know, I, I talked to deal, like a lot of their artwork is kind of dealing with the past. It feels like yours is dealing with the future in some weird way. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but like, I, I see like your kids are like very important in your, you know, and again, I'm only from what I scrolled early and looking through now, it feels like your kids are very important. And there's like this, there's a joy in your work, I think is, mm -hmm. is a way to say it. Yeah, well, so I, I don't do any of it out of an obligation. So there's not a, you know, I don't get paid for all the ones I've done that I, people have, I've never get paid for it. So I, there's not a, oh, I have to make this appealing to them. So it's very much a, 
this is what I think is kick-ass. This is what I love. So uh, there is that joy in that. Um, I love my kids and I love painting them, but there's also a bit of COVID in there as well. Uh, I, need a, <laughs> yeah. I need a good set. And so with pictures where I use people, it usually takes about 100 to 150 photos uh, to find one or two that are good that I can paint from um, because, you know, you really need good contrast, good detail. And, you know, my, my kids are there. I don't have to pay them. Uh, and, you know, they enjoy doing it and they enjoy having workers paint uh, it. Um, so, you know, trying to get convince other people to let you borrow their kids for a while so you can do photos don't doesn't work out quite as well. Um, as far as the process goes, it's always, you know, the canvas or whatever you paint on part of the painting. And to be honest, like that's something I struggle with a lot because I hate the plain back canvases, uh, plain white canvases. Um, so you've got to figure out how do you make it so that that's part of what you're painting as part of the painting itself. Um, so like the rust plate, you know, I had that idea of, of that Grim Reaper picture, which that actually is my son as well. Uh, it's an old uh, um, military poncho with a, you know, a gas mask and a, a seat for next door. Um, but I was like, you know, that that's very children of the corn type feel. So, you know, I, I got a steel plate and I rusted it. And I think I did five or six versions of, you know, rusting plates to figure out how to paint on them so they would look good. Um, and so you've got the Death Star behind me. I've got one of those on a rusted plate that actually looks really cool too. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, every one of them is different. And, and I think that's, so the technical term that people use is uh, graffiti stencil art is the basic piece. Um, but a lot of stencil graffiti artists I've, connected with will typically zero in on one style of that art and they'll you know really hone that and stick with it um whereas mine i i don't do that many paintings that are exactly the same you know i'm always trying different techniques different styles um different different ways of doing it to kind of constantly explore and you know find uh find how to grow on it um and, you know i mean don't get me wrong there are some that are certainly similar but there's always that that quest to like try new things and learn different ways of doing it better and so it's a lot of fun. So it's it's constantly learning. And yeah, I think when we first met, I'd done it maybe three paintings at that point in time. Right. So and now my office is stacked with them because I have no room in my house or anywhere else. But my garage is full. My bedroom, yeah, everywhere is just full of them. Do you? I this is this is something you know. One of the things that I, Chris, my business partner, and I have always talked about. Um, from the beginning, the abstract athlete and some of the people I've had on the podcast and even just outside of the podcast is, you know, like military personnel and athletes, there's so many overlapping similarities. I, actually, we always put those two together without knowing that um, military were called tactical athletes. We just always thought that they trained in the same ways. And also that discipline, you know, the discipline it takes to be uh, you know, a military personnel, the discipline it takes to be a uh, high level athlete. Do you think, you know, for you, it sounds like you are super disciplined in terms of your practice now with, with your creativity. And do you think that that came from your military background or were you always kind of a disciplined kid? Did you play sports growing up? Like, was it like for me, like just to, like, and I've said this before in the podcast, but like I, I physically work out every day, but I'm also in my studio every day because I'm that I'm just regimented like that, you know? I mean, does that, do you find that like as almost, it's not, it's a have to do and, and well, you want to do, but it's also a have to do. No, uh, I, I actually quite the opposite. So, um, 
discipline's not a term I think most people use to describe me. <laughs> uh, and, and so, you know, nuclear engineers in the Navy, they have a unique uh, area, whereas most people, it's you get an order, you follow the order. Um, you know, we spend two years in school just to know, you know, very tight details about how things are supposed to work. And if something, you know, someone gives us an order that we don't think is right, you know, we're actually supposed to push back. Now, at the end of the day, you know, the person above you, they, you know, what they say goes, but there's very much a question of the order because not every, you know, the person above you is not going to know everything that's going on. So they want someone to push back and say, hey, this is, this is what's going on. This is what's right. This is what's wrong. You know, we need to fix this. Um, because again, it's a nuclear reactor. You don't want surprises. You don't want someone's ego uh, overriding good judgment. And it's just, you know, they, they push you back. Um, I think that actually the, the part that's been the biggest driver is I'm dyslexic. Oh, wow. um, and so, you know, part of being dyslexic is you tend to have a strong interest in learning. You tend to merge a lot of those artistic, creative, um, that um, merging a lot of different ideas and concepts all together. And, that, you know, that's really common. So most people think it's just, you know, spelling and reading, but it really is so much more about how you process information and how you engage the world. So like entrepreneurs, for example, very creative people generally thought of. Very high uh, percentage of entrepreneurs are dyslexic. Uh, a lot of artists are dyslexic. Uh, and so I would say that's really been a much larger driver for me than the... Um, well, and you are an entrepreneur. Like you've started, the, um, and I hope I'm not reading this out of whatever. I mean, like, but you've started two companies, correct? Mm -hmm. Or been a part yeah. of? And do you want to like, tell me what those are? Like I did a little like kind of research and I'm trying to find the thing now, of course, Gem, Gemma touch and my eat and, and my Eden. And they seem like dramatically different companies to me. Um, just in like kind of doing like a, just an overview of them. Like one seemed like it, like it was, it's based in my eating was like based about farming, correct. Vertical mm -hmm. farming. And then Gemma touch was, more an analytics company. So like, I, I mean, that's interesting to me because they're so dramatically different and maybe that speaks to dyslexia and that, and your, again, like your willingness and, and want to, to learn. Um, <laughs> maybe just kind of go into like how those came about because again, yeah. entrepreneur be, being an entrepreneur is creative too. Like that's, see, that's what I, I, there's always this misconception with, with people when we talk about creativity and, and like, I always get that. Well, I can't even draw a stick figure. And it's like, <laughs> well then don't draw a stick figure. Like, what do you want to do? Do you want to write poetry? Do you want to like be an entrepreneur? Do you want to paint? Do you want to sing? Like, you know, there's uh, creativity is unlimited, but I think we get kind of stuck in that little vacuum of like what creativity is. So go ahead. Yeah, talk talk yeah, about so, your entrepreneur. <laughs> so yeah, they, they really are very different companies. Uh, Gimma Touch was the first one. Uh, and it, that one was, so you ever seen those little NFC tags? So you scan your, it's a sticker and you scan your phone over the NFC sticker and it does something. Uh, I saw those and I was like, well, why can't you issue different commands? And basically like, if it tells your phone to do one thing, why can't the same sticker tell your phone to do 10 things? And to activate them, simply press. So let's say you have a keyboard. Uh, we actually made bar menus as some of our first ones. And you just push the picture 
uh, of whatever you want and then add it to your, so it would launch an app on your phone and add it to your order. And the idea is you just got these stickers that are, you know, cost 10 cents to make, um, but they, they effectively work as wireless, no power keyboards for your, your phone. And they can issue virtually any kind of command to your phone um, as if it's an input you're doing. So, you know, websites, um, striking keys, stuff like that. Uh, the technology worked great. Uh, it was actually really cheap. Uh, when we first proposed it, we'd gone to some companies who specialize in those sort of products. They're like, there's no way this is going to work. There's no way. And I was like, I, I think it will. I was like, I really <laughs> think it will. Uh, and so, you know, we, we got, you know, $50,000 in startup funds and we proved it. And they were like, this is, this is actually really cool and phenomenal. Uh, the problem came in with Apple. Uh, Apple doesn't allow third parties to use their NFC. So like only Apple can build apps to use Apple's NFC chips. And every investor- had them buy your app then. (laughs) Every investor we went to would pull out their iPhone and it was very much a, if it doesn't work with my phone, why would I invest in it? Um, And so I I think if it only worked with Apple and didn't work with Samsung, we would have been fine. But, um, and that's something that's even true to the today. If app developers, they almost always build something for Apple first. Um, there's a number of reasons, but part of it is because that's where investment is. Um, plus, if you build an Apple, you only build a one phone versus the 50 different manufacturers of galaxies. Um, no, that would, the product worked out really well, but there's, I've heard a lot of reasons why startups fail. There's only one reason startups fail. They run out of money. Uh, <laughs> and I've seen startups with bad ideas, but have plenty of money. They fix their ideas, but even good ideas can't overcome loss of money. So um, that is true. <laughs> yeah. The uh, even bad leadership. If you have money, you can overcome bad leadership. Um, so the second one, my Eden, uh, that was um, the idea being you've seen indoor dehumidifiers, you know, they suck air out, uh, make water. Uh, so this was kind of like that. Uh, same principles, except. Uh, figuring out how to optimize it so that it would take moisture out of the, you know, evening humidity uh, at optimal points to water plants. And the idea is you could have anything from a potted plant that has, you know, these little sticks so you never have to water it to larger gardens. Um, The technology worked great, but there were a few, you know, kind of came down to price point and stuff. Um, The biggest thing was like the batteries. Uh, You needed a big battery for the amount of power we needed and you just it was always a scale higher than the application you wanted to use it in. So, if, you know, you had a pot of plant, you wouldn't want to use uh, a battery the size of a brick. Um, and so I think it's one of those, if we revisit it now, we could do it because the battery technologies have come on far enough. Um, but at the time, there's, there was that disconnect between the size of what you needed versus what you're um, actually using and applying it for. But no. And I guess like, this is a weird question though now, because, you know, being an entrepreneur, there is so much of this idea of problem solving, like kind of, you were like alluded to that earlier, but now like you've, I mean, are are you working still as an entrepreneur? Are you still doing anything in that space or you? Not for my own. Uh, I mean, for my job though, I actually work. Uh, and that's where I kind of get some of the, the still experiences. I help a lot of people start their own businesses and help them kind of work through what their stuff is. Right. Um, I certainly created a number of my own products. Uh, most of them, some of them are just bad ideas, but you don't know they're bad ideas until you investigate. You know, everyone has this, oh, this would be awesome, but they never do anything with it. Yep. Uh, the, the important thing is, you know, try it, figure it out. See if there's flaws in your ideas. 
Um, and there's been more than a few of that, you know, as I investigate, you're like, wow, I did not know that. And that's a fatal flaw. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and it's funny when people find out what I do for my day job, they'll be like, I have this awesome idea. And you hear it. And I would say most of them are just so bad. Like they've never thought about it at all. Um, but, but I, I guess it, what I was getting at is like, do you find that same kind of juice that I guess is the best way to say it that you would get? as, as now like a, a painter, like you finding those same kind of problem solving, um, issues. I, I don't know a better way to say it, but, uh, you know, that are you, are you getting those same kind of feelings from being an entrepreneur that you're getting being a painter? I, I am because, you know, it's all about that exploration, the, the learning and the growth. Um, it's, it, it's really is a lot of the same skill sets. It's, um, identify a problem or opportunity come up with solutions for those problems and opportunities and then apply to see if it works. Um, you know, it's almost like the scientific method. You're, you know, in a way that's, it's all kind of the same thing. You just, and that constant revision. Uh, I, I think if I had just stuck with one type of how I did my art, then it would kind of lose its luster and wouldn't be that same problem solving. But um, I'm working on a new painting now. It, it's tackling a number of new challenges that uh, are interesting. And I will say some of my paintings do not work out. Like what kind? Small? Some of my paintings. Oh, some of okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll try something new and it will be bad. <laughs> uh, but yeah. that's where you learn. Like yeah. that's what I always I always tell students is like don't be concerned about the 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 product or the end point. Be concerned about about the journey, the the, the experience of it. Because like like I, I think it's you know, I'm coming at it from a baseball world. Whereas like you're going to fail 70% of the time and you're still going to be good. I think it's the same way in art. I just don't think we think about it that way, but I think it's healthy to fail. And, you know, failure sounds like a bad word and everything, but I just, that's where you learn. That's where you grow. That's where you push yourself. Um, it's, you know, it's different from being, where you were in the Navy, like you weren't allowed to fail. You're not allowed to fail, you know? And like, but in, in the creative spaces, I think it's a good thing to like have those moments. It just makes you stronger too. Yeah. And it's funny, you, you know, going back to my kids we were talking about earlier, I make sure they see those failures and that learning process too, because you know, they're, they're right at that age where they're trying something new and they're like, Oh, but you're already good at this. It's like, Oh no, but I'm not like, look at all the, look at all the ways I did it poorly. Or I just didn't, you know, didn't have the experience to, to figure out how to make it look the way I wanted to make it look. look. Yeah. Want to take a real short break? Make sure to check out some of Brent's art on Reddit under the name Next to the Cookies. And you can also follow Brent on Facebook. Also a reminder to listen to the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors Podcast, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandrich Podcast. Now back to Brent. Do you still have like any contact with with your naval officers? And I'm, I'm, I always find that, that, for me, I never really have asked this question, but it's, it's one of those things that I kind of think about. Because it's, I, you know, I guess in some ways I'm relating it to like coaches or relating it to teachers that um, were influential 
Um, and I get, I guess in a longer question in, in that relationship of, do you have still have contact with your, you know, your naval officers? Um, like who are people that, if it's not them, but other people that are influential in your life, whether it's, you know, now it's an artist or, or whether it's an actor, whether it's your parents, what, you know, like people that like kind of push you or move you forward. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really have uh, contact with the officers, but I will say that uh, thanks to Facebook, uh, there's a lot of people that I served with, you know, some of them, you know, um, chiefs and, you know, higher office uh, ranking uh, individuals that I do keep in contact with. Most of it's really just Facebook though, because you, you know, it's just kind of so easy to get in, uh, keep in touch with. Um, I, I wouldn't say there was anybody mentorish that I've um, still kept in contact with. There are a few on the business side where, you know, people that just have really sharp brains that, um, I mean, they happen to be in business, but honestly, they, they do so much other stuff that I do keep in contact with. Um, and they're great. But no, I wouldn't say I've ever had any, what I would say, mentors that I followed. It's very much a teach myself as I go. And then um, I think with my painting, I've probably seen three YouTube videos on how other people do it just to get ideas. Uh, two of them I've disregarded as I don't want to try that route. Um, and, and so it's like, you know, you see the big murals and my style similar to that, but I don't want to rent a cherry picker to go up on a building to right. paint it. So, you know, you just kind of figure out what you don't learn that way as well. Or don't do you, have you ever thought about going to school for art? Has that ever, ever <coughs> crossed your mind? Uh, I have, uh, with the caveat, I, I don't want to get a degree in it. Uh, right. I have, I have three degrees. I already have enough degrees. Uh, <laughs> I'm not buy. So I, I want to go to the school to learn how to do it. And I don't care if there's a piece of paper on the back end that says, right. Oh, you now." So it's very much a, here's the courses I want. Here's the parts I want to learn. Right. Um, like there's a figure drawing class. I, I keep wanting to take, but I never seem to have time for it. Um, and that, that's, uh, I taught myself figure drawing before I got into this because that I figured that would help me draw the pictures bigger. I did not equate that way. So I spent a year and a half learning figure drawing uh, and it didn't really help, but I still enjoy it, you know, and, and I learned a lot from it, but what did you teach? You were, you were an adjunct professor at North Carolina state. What did you, what were you teaching? Uh, most of the, uh entrepreneurship class. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. No, it's funny. My degrees are all in science and engineering, but most of my stuff I've taught business related. That's what I was wondering. I you, like the engineering component is embedded and there's obviously like so much creativity in terms of engineering again and problem solving and all that stuff. And, and I'm, so I become like really interested in, you know, like this for me, like your scientific brain and your creative brain, which obviously they're same. It's not, it's not like literally left brain, right brain, you know, all that stuff, but like, is it something where you ever think about like, like almost the mechanics of engineering becoming part of your work, like that real kind of anal retentiveness of being, you know, maybe that's being like a broad brush stroke as well as an engineer, but you know, just like I can imagine some of your, your paintings becoming like really detailed work in some ways, not that they're not, but um, just like thinking of getting like almost obsessive, in some ways. Yeah. Uh, well, and engineering is actually a good way to approach it. So, you know, my painting styles aren't, you know, freehand brush stuff. 
uh, they very much are, you know, almost a engineering approach. You, you build them, you know, you say, here's, here's the blueprints, here's, and so as I'm, you know, starting it out, I'll actually write myself an instruction sheet for how to build the painting. Um, and that way you kind of construct it in. So, you know, people who, I, I'm okay with figure drawing and hand drawing, but I just don't have a good enough hand, you know, or I've never worked to develop my hand good enough to do, you know, freehand large paintings. Um, so it's very much an engineering approach. And so it's not just engineering my background. So it's engineering and biology, which is funny because I went straight from nuclear engineering to microbiology. Uh, but at the same time, like, I'm, not, I'm all, not worthy of being on this podcast right now. So. It's, it's all science. Like at the end of the day, it's all science. You know, it's kind of the you have a lot of the same principles in all the different branches of science once you started learning them. Um, so that's why in college, I would actually load up on science classes all in the same semester and be like, you know, physics, microbiology, astronomy, because they use a lot of the same equations across all of them. You're using a lot of the same principles. So you just kind of, once you've learned it, you can kind of chug it out through all the different uh, uh, groupings and centers. Right. So. Now, I, it, 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 to me, it's just like, again, I never... <laughs> that switch never flipped on for me. I'm, I'm interested as hell in all that stuff. I'm super interested in astronomy. Um, but that's more just because I love looking up and looking at stars, <laughs> but I, but it was just like in terms of like, I, I was decent in math, but like, man, you got me in the science classes and it was just like, whew, it just went right over my head. But I, it, it's, it's interesting to me to like, think about that with you in terms of how you are creating in terms of, again, like those real, like, I love that you said you're building a picture because I always say that I'm not making a painting. I'm building a painting because to me, that's how I kind of see I'm, you know, I use, uh, the, 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 uh, Western landscape as kind of my, you know, w what I'm looking at to, to make my paintings but it's the way that I'm seeing this in dimensions and thinking about archaeology and how things are built. And so I love the way that, that you said that, because I do think it's true. We all are building paintings or building artworks and drawings just because of that's how we put things together. Like everything is a collage in some ways to me. And so I, I, I do. I like that that analogy and that that thought process. I'm, I'm curious, like, like who is, and this can be like, this can be musicians, but like, or who are some like creative people that, that like inspire you, you know, like, and it can be painters or, or drawers or musicians, but like creativity, like, you know, because you're really getting into that space now and it can be entrepreneurs. It could be Elon Musk. I don't know, but, um, like people that inspire you in terms of, thinking in terms of you know again like you moving forward yeah this is gonna sound so conceited uh but to be honest like da vinci is one of the ones that you know early on i and that makes an it, that makes a hundred percent complete sense to me yeah and i mean well and you know he, he's an awesome painter but it's all the engineering and like he really did a ton of research on science uh he has an entire book on prophecies which is quite funny because most of them are actually accurate, but he wrote it just to make fun of people who wrote prophecies and how stupid and ridiculous they were back in the day. Uh, but he like some, one of his prophecies that I love is he's like, someday people are gonna be able to talk to one another around the world as if they're face to face. And he's just making this outlandish thing that he thought at the time that, you know, 
you can always say, oh, someday, someday. And then you're like, oh, wait, yeah, someday it actually did happen. <laughs> um, so, you know, and I think it's is that that multidisciplinary approach that I love when people just do, you know, a lot of different things and kind of, you know, let that bleed over into their life. Um, I do love that stuff. Uh, as far as individual artists go, I don't think it's half the time. I don't even know who the artists are. Uh, it's usually you see something you're like, I really like that. And if I saw their name, I would forget it. And I'm horrible with names. And I could see 10 different works of theirs and I wouldn't recognize it. Um, I do, I mean, obviously I do like Banksy a lot. And that's, you know, I kind of saw some of his stuff. I was like, oh, that's, that's, which I've seen some criticism. That's, I've heard uh, it criticized that Banksy is white people's graffiti art um, because like, you know, you see a lot of other ones that are different. So um, I kind of get that criticism a little bit. Um, and this is going to sound weird, but there was a, there was a video game back, uh, 20 years ago now, uh, which is so sad that I'm that old. <laughs> and I, it's like a random superhero video game it has nothing to do with it, but the superhero had a side gig where he did spray paint mural graffiti, uh, very similar to what I started off doing. And that was like one of the things I was like, I want to learn how to do that someday. And, you know, it kind of eventually I was like, okay, now's the time I'm going to teach myself how to do that. Um, it's not a person, it's a video game, but at the same time, like it's, it was a pretty cool artistic expression. If you want to check it out, it's called Infamous. Um, infamous. Infamous. Okay. I, but I, I think that's like, what's, what's kind of interesting to me is like you being, you know, an engineer and kind of how things have really evolved in the last 20 years um, you know, again, I mentioned Elon Musk, for instance, and how, like, just how fast the world is moving forward technologically. And, and you kind of having a foot in that space, but yet you're going into painting, you know, I mean, that's really yeah. interesting. And again, that's not, that's not to say that you're, you still don't have your foot in the, in the technology, you know, engineering world and entrepreneur world. And I think that's what's so fun to see is like, for me, like, you know, from an outsider view, you were really tickling that, that creative bone in, in a different, in a lot of different spaces, you know, mm -hmm. and that has to be, again, that has to be fun for you, but it also like, and kind of going into the, I'll just use Elon again as the, as the model, like, is, is it just, is it wild for you to like, see how things have changed um, you know, again, like you're peripherally working with VR um, in, in multiple capacities. I mean, what is that like for you, like kind of being in that space and just seeing just like that? It's just ramping up. Yeah, uh, it, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, uh, as you ask the question, it actually occurred to me, I think that's probably why I do spend so much time on painting. Uh, before, when I did all my entrepreneurship stuff and a lot of the technology stuff, it's because I spent most of my day job just doing business stuff. And that was a way to, you know, kind of round out my uh, uh, activities in my life. Whereas now I spend a lot of my day job doing the technology, the, the creative engineering, biology, uh, all that, you know, focused on those areas. Um, so then the art is a way to round out that daily life because, you know, so much of my um, work life is on the inventions. Um, I think VR, it's easy to get cynical of it because, you know, it's one of those that hasn't taken off as fast as some people say it should. Uh, but all the VR, the XR, the AR, those things are coming along so fast that those are going to be the really impressive stuff that we see over the next few years. 
Um, I think it'll probably be one of the bigger changes. Like I've worked a lot of stuff. Some of the stuff people have had, you know, part of their daily life, but they don't think about it. They don't, you know, it's kind of under the radar, hidden behind the scenes, uh, computer chips, uh, manufacturing equipment, things that you just never see. Whereas VR is gonna be part of people's lives um, a lot more than I think that people realize. Or maybe not VR, but like the XR and the AR. So, you know, the using of the phone or the using of some other display to, uh, to you know, overlay fake content or, you know, a virtual world. So that that's going to be one of the fastest growing. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be the next one. There are some other areas that are more uh, physics related. They're kind of out there, like quantum computing and stuff. That stuff's really cool, but it's still going to be ten years away, and it's not going to be part of people's everyday life for another twenty years. So it's neat to learn about, but it's I. Yeah. But it, 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 it VR. I mean, VR stuff's cool, and I and like I've done it. A couple different times and but do you like i just you know like i'm holding up my phone yeah it's it's uh like technology some i mean i love technology i like i love the the ability that i can now send a message to anybody anywhere around the world but is it do you think it takes away because that's that's i guess what i what i find interesting about what you're doing is because you are working in virtual space but you're yet you still are doing the real stuff too like you're, you're painting like that you know what i mean like that that kind of touching both the virtual and the real in the same at the same time like is it do you ever find yourself being pulled either way more and more because i i guess that's it's not like a fear thing or anything but like i do think it's so different than 20 years ago and and you know big deal whatever like people evolve life evolves whatever but all I see is people looking down at their phones, you know, and like when we start putting on our virtual headsets, are we just going to disappear from each other completely? You know, it's just like, it's a weird thing to think about. Yeah. Well, and so I guess, uh, you know, we've kind of been like talking the broad idea of virtual reality, but I, I don't like virtual reality just for doing it. Like right. you got the video games and stuff like that. I don't want to put a headset on while I'm at home with my kids and wife around. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, I don't want my kids wearing them playing video games. Um, and some people use it. The real thing with virtual reality, uh, where I think people are going to use it, um, education, training, uh, physical therapy, uh, therapy, you know, patient care. There are so many areas where, you know, you're not saying I'm going to isolate myself from the world. You're saying I need to spend 30 minutes on this activity. And that activity could be a therapy. You could do it in a book. You could do it on a video. You could do it just meditation. And they found with virtual reality, if you spend that 30 minutes in there, you can get a far more return on that investment of time and resources than you could just reading a book or just watching a video. Um, the training in the virtual reality, the, the people's uptick in it is so much faster, that, that learning curve. Um, I think one of the first examples I saw was out of the School of Art at VCU, and that was uh, uh, to be a dancer. And the idea was that there's this huge learning curve for ballet dancers and so what they did is they you know they built a simulation and when you've got the vr headset on you follow the body motion of the person you know as if they're you like i would say ghosting the person and you the people who are learning ballet get rid of all those bad habits so much faster and learn the proper motion, which I will say was a little embarrassing. I, I very frequently wear a suit to work. Uh, they put me in this 
you know, just me and the two instructors. And you've got a lot of audio going on. When I took it off, there was like a dozen or so kids in there watching me do ballet in a suit. Because, you know, you're, you're standing up actually doing all the moves. Um, and, you know, so a lot of companies have adopted that already to start training their workforce. Um, another great aspect of VR is if you're trying to teach somebody something, uh, and I'm, I'm probably as bad as anyone else, and you're on the online learning, you're going to get your cell phone out, you've got five of the browsers up. There's no... Um, distraction, we've got the VR headset on, that's it. That's your audio, your visual, everything. Uh, so people are just more engaged in it and more, more learning from it. Um, uh, and I think part of the thing that's really picked up with COVID is um, in the therapy, it helps people reduce that sense of isolation because there has been this huge sense of isolation on people. Yep. So I, I hope it doesn't get to the point where VR is like, your replacement for your cell phone, because at least then if people are walking around, you can see them and acknowledge them. Um, but I think when you're spending time focusing on activity, that's where you see that big return on that investment from and benefit. What, what is like, you know, what do you, as somebody that's just like really starting to get into painting two years, three years, whatever, um, you know, again, like within this technological kind of space, entrepreneurial space. And maybe this will be a weird question, but what do you like see for yourself in the next 10 years? Like, do you have like, do you like, do, do you plan in that manner? Or do you just kind of go with the flow and kind of um, things happen as they may? Or do you like, but I mean, like maybe like, what do you like? You obviously want to continue growing as an, as a painter. Um, I mean, do you, do you think about like starting other companies? Like do, where do you see, you know, the, the VR stuff happening or expanding in your spaces, stuff like that? Yeah, certainly. Uh, and I've thought about starting other companies. Uh, part of it's just going to be, you know, timing and, um, you know, talking about my kids right now, I have a, a 10 and a five year old, uh, entrepreneurship and doing a startup is phenomenal, but there is no end of your work day. It's you go home and you do more work after that. Uh, and you travel a lot. Like there's a lot of travel. And you know, at this point in my life, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to have something where I'm not traveling as much. And, you know, something where I don't feel that, you know, spending family time is somehow I, I'm destroying this other opportunity. Um, and I've never been the kind of person that I want to know what I'm going to do in five years. Like I, I think the Navy was probably the one time in my life where I had the you know, cause you sign a six year contract. So I knew going in what I was going to be doing is six years. But beyond that, like, I, I, I like the idea that I could be doing anything else in five or, you know, five, six years. So, um, but yeah, I, people have asked me about the, you know, do you want to sell your stuff? You want to start a business like that? I enjoy the painting. I don't want to, uh, I haven't had an interest in actually setting up and, you know, doing the business to sell the stuff. Um, I spend most of my work day, especially with COVID in front of a computer. So I, I don't touch a computer after work anymore, hardly. Um, so doing that kind of, I'm just like, I just don't want to touch you know, work a computer. <laughs> Hopefully once COVID's over, maybe, maybe that'll change a little bit. But, you know, if you spend all day in front of Zoom or the meetings, you're just like, I, I'm done with computers for a while. Oh, I absolutely. I, I'm just, I, like I said, it just the, there's a realization every once in a while when I look at my phone, it's like, ugh. I just, I keep looking at this thing. Why am I looking at this thing? You know? And it's, it's, I have no reason to, except for just to check apps or different, you know, like social media. And it's just like, I don't, 
I don't know. It's just weird that that time suck. But again, like I think, you know, both of us are lucky because we do have and are engaging in creative practices where that's again what, you know, what we're trying to do is is to get people engaged in these creative things for mental health reasons, for anxiety, for stress, just to enjoy something um, in a different way. Like I tell students all the time, and this is like a college level class. It's like, I want you to enjoy this because if you enjoy something, you're going to want to come back to it. And that's important to me because it's not about the class necessarily. It's about beyond the class. Like I want them to be doing this well beyond school. And I'm not saying this has to be their career. Like painting is not your career, but you love doing it, you know, and like, and it could become a career because you're, you're getting better, you're doing it. And, you know, it's just like, you're allowing it to happen. And, but if you, you know, it's just like that stupid saying that, you know, I don't even know what the saying is, but it's like, you have to, you have to try something to make it happen. You know, it's, it's, it's not, it just, things just don't happen. Like you have to do it to make it happen. And, and so like, that's what we always try to get people to do. It's like, we're all creative beings. Like that's part of being a human. Like, but what is it that you're interested in and then do it, you know? So in that vein, before I started painting this, and it's kind of led me into it is for a lot. I didn't set out with this goal, but I found that I just was doing it naturally about once a year, I would start adopting a new hobby. And so it'd be like, oh, I want to learn this. And I would do it. And it, it usually it's, I think it had something to do with fall, but right around November, I would kind of trail off whatever one I'd been spending time on. And I would start picking up something new. Uh, and when I say used to, because like once I started painting, I really haven't transitioned to something else yet. Uh, and it would be like, I would literally just go to, you know, um, Michael's or some of those craft stores sometimes and be like, oh, well, it looks cool. Um, so, you know, fun things to do. So it wasn't like a, I don't know, just just to try new it things. Be- so think, it became more than a hobby. Yeah. So like knitting with one of them, uh, you know, and I think in that year I knitted all sorts of stuff and I actually made stuffed animals and, you know, you start with this scarf that everyone does, but you very quickly learn how to do new things. Um, uh, pottery and uh, glass blowing, stuff like that. So it just, just, it's, it's actually not that expensive to try a lot of those new hobbies just to learn to see how to do them and how, if you enjoy them or not. Yeah. And that's, again, like it's, it's just, it's one of those things where I just, I want, all of us to engage in that creativity because I do, I think it's, it's important and we, and you know, we need it more than ever now. Like COVID had, like you mentioned earlier, like it, it is really, it isolated a lot of people and it just, it is worn on people in terms of mental health and, and anxieties and stresses and different, and you know, the fear of the unknown. And like, again, like creativity is like this thing where you can just disappear for however long you do it. And, and that's a good thing. Like it, it just, it re energizes us, not literally, but well, literally and physically and mentally. Yeah. And that's at the end of the day, you know, we all need that. We all need those breaks. And, and I think, you know, like that's, what's, it's fun for me to like, like I going back to the beginning of the conversation, it's, it's fun for me to like, see how you've really gotten into this and where it's going and, and, you know, just excited to see what the future holds, you know, and I think you're doing it because you love it. Like that's what, you know, it's like, you're not doing this to make money or whatever. Like you're just doing it because you want to. And that, that's just, that, that's just beautiful to me. 
So, um, well, dude, I, you know, thank you. I'm like, I'm really glad. I know we talked about this <clears throat> a long time ago and I'm glad we finally got to do this. And, um, like I said, it was fun. It was fun kind of diving in and doing a little research. Cause I didn't know about the entrepreneurial neural side of you and, and, um, thinking about like how you engage the world in that manner. Um, I, I one, uh, one last question, cause I always need to know this cause I always put new music to every episode. What kind of music do you like? Oh, or do you I, I, or do you have any friends that are musicians that would want to donate a song? If not, I'll I'll make something up. But <laughs> uh, I actually do have a number of friends that are musicians that I'm quite confident would want to donate a song. Oh, I have cool! Some, have, uh, so I'm from East Tennessee, and so I think like everyone there is a musician half the time. <laughs> uh, some of them are really quite talented. Yeah. Um, no, I listen to a little bit of everything. So you know, I don't. Uh, I don't like, just like with art and everything else, I don't like to stick with one genre. Yep. So, you know, I, I love new, newer music just as much as I do some of the old stuff, a lot of the old stuff. So it's just a little bit of everywhere. Um, yeah. Cool. But well then like, get your way. Send me, send me, make sure that they're okay with it. And, um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, publicize them on, uh, on the podcast and give them a little, a little, uh, plug. Um, but yeah, get us on. That'd be awesome. I love getting new. I'm I'm the so mad. I just I listen to kind of everything. The irony of the abstract athlete is Chris and I and my business partner. We actually met working in a record store like 30 years ago in Ohio, so it was born out of music in some ways. So, <laughs> but dude, thank you, man. Like this was like really a blast, and it was good to catch up and see you. And we'll have to go get a coffee and and catch up some more um, at Cuba Cuba and. and um, and keep plugging along and I'll let you know, like, you know, as I said, we got some stuff coming up and would love to get, get a, a painting or a drawing or something from you and, and put it in an exhibition that we have coming up. So I think that'd yeah, be a blast no. if you're, if you're down with that. That'd be phenomenal. Like I said, I've always got way more work, uh, artwork than I have a place to put it. So. I do too, man. It's a problem, but it's, <laughs> I, I wouldn't change it for the world. So, but yeah, man, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cause this, like I said, this was, this is really cool. And, and as, as always just look forward to like our continued dialogue because I, I, you know, just really glad that we uh, were introduced by the great doctor, I believe, right. Initially we were introduced by Dr. Sifu. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's what I thought. So, all right, man, we'll have a, have an awesome day. I'll, um, I'll send you some images and video for social media stuff. And like I said, just send me um, some music. Thanks cool. so much. Thanks, ma'am. Take care. Right. Bye. Bye. Really so cool to learn about Brent and what he has done, what he is doing. Really love that he picked up painting and how engaged he is now with that practice. But also, you know, it's so fascinating to learn about all of his interest as an entrepreneur and what he did in the Navy. Uh, just really interesting person. Again, make sure to check out Brent art on reddit under the name next to the cookies and also you can follow him on facebook a reminder to check out the other podcasts on the abstract athlete network the abstract doctors podcast and one man's ethos the tony mandrich podcast thank you for listening to the abstract athlete podcast stop by our website theabstractathlete.com and our social media outlets for future events and news 
Thanks again. We will see you next week. And as always, do not forget to exercise the body and do not forget to exercise the mind. Stay well out there. Yeah.